Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is an awesome one. As many of you know, I put game cams up at the beginning of elk season last year, and they stayed there until June of this year. So Josh and I got to run through both of them and see every photo from the past year and compare that to three or four seasons before. So stick around if you want to learn the five or six things we took away from all of those photos. Hey, Josh. Oh, man. I, I can tell you're very excited about this podcast. Oh, it's so cool. It's um, <laughs> Let's just back up. I think when we last talked about this, uh, I thought those cameras were either dead or buried or maybe not dead, but I thought there's no way they're going to be recording. But our friend D went out, picked up my two cams. Uh, and for context here, I've always left them for pretty much the entirety of elk season or until I tag out and I pull them down. Um, but this year I left them, I put them up August 30th. They ran and when he went back up in early June, they were still running. So we got to see an entire season, an entire year of photos of, and elk behavior. So it's been really cool and a lot of crazy learnings um, through this too. So oh yeah, I'm fired up. How about you? Oh man, <laughs> just knowing that they were there and knowing what the area the carried, like the oh, inventory. Man. So, so oh man, yes, there's some, some nice, 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 nice elk in there. Yeah, I mean, New Mexico, Montana, Wyoming, there's much bigger bulls in other places, but it at least feels good to look and be like, there are toads where I'm hunting. You know, I, I would love to shoot that elk. Yeah, uh, man, so it's really cool. But, and I think what was really fun about this too is like we were it's not just looking at game cams it was lining it up with our hunting experiences you know like well spoiler alert the first one is that no elk really come to wallows in the middle of the day and that totally lines up and we'll get back to that but there's six things we identified like that um that the camera i think it's why i put these cameras out there it helps you kind of augment what you're noticing in the field um so hopefully for guys listening, this is actually a really, really informative episode because they'll learn a ton about hunting elk um, in Idaho and Colorado. And this one's kind of cool because uh, we get to learn alongside you. Like we get to watch you learn as you take in this data and like look at yeah. the lessons from it. Totally. But, um, yeah. So that middle of the day one, how, well, why do you think they don't come to the wallow during the middle of the day? I don't know, but this one, like if you'd put me up against the wall and said like, would, should I sit and wallow in the middle of the day? I'd be like, heck no, this, that's a low odds play. And this is like definitive proof of it. I mean, I, like I said, I've, we've had the cams through at least the middle of the season for, you know, cause I always hunt until at least the first weekend and then like a whole week. So I've seen this before, but just this year where it's the entire season, I think there was what one elk that came in before five 30 at night right? One bull. Sorry. I should say that came mm -hmm. in. Am I saying, I think that was right. Right. Was there even one? I think it was the last day. I remember that one that came in at four. Uh, got, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. was one at what four. Everything else was like pretty much at sunset or like right yeah. before sunset, which we'll talk about in a bit, but yeah, I don't, mm -hmm. I've, I've always felt that the sitting the wallow in the middle of the day is just a completely losing bet. Um, cause they just don't, come in and if you're sitting a wallow in the middle of the day the winds are swirling anyway and i just i think the times they hit wallows in the middle of the day is the summer hmm. like maybe maybe very beginning of season but even then i've sat wallows you know margaret and i have both sat our own wallows you know 500 yards apart mile apart 
um, multiple times. We've never seen anything come in in the middle of the day. And the cameras have sat there all year. <laughs> all year. And so I just don't, I mean, maybe that's the first learning for, for me and for folks out there, but it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm never doing that. Like it's just low. It's, it could work. I'm not saying it'll never work, but it's just, it's low odds. So low mm -hmm. odds. Yeah. Um, that's a super interesting lesson. Yeah. I wonder like after, have you had your cameras out there for, have you ever had your cameras out there for that long? No, never. And I'll, you know, I'll be going back up there this weekend to put fresh cards in them and leave them out all of, you know, June, July, mm -hmm. well, half of June, I guess. Um, so it'll be good to see those. I yeah. understand how that's going down, but so I've never really seen that wind up to it. I've only seen from the opening day mm -hmm. uh, period of time, but you know, maybe in New Mexico, Arizona, somewhere different, but all my experiences in Colorado and Idaho have been the same that they just don't really come into wallows during the middle um, unless, of the day. Yeah. If you're up, you know, again, I always hunt up near tree line. I'm always places where there's generally good amounts of water and yeah, it does get hot, but it's not like Arizona where there might be one little lake and that's all they've got. Right. Mm -hmm. So, man, that's interesting. Yeah. It'd yeah. be cool to like take all the, the pictures of bulls with their timestamps and dates and like, put it in a sheet and then like mm. graph it over time before season after season. Oh, trust me. I thought about that. <laughs> that'll be, a, that'll be cool. It's a lot of manual yeah. data entry, right? But yeah, <laughs> but I think, I mean, that's why I, so this is the third or fourth time I've run through it. When Josh and I ran through this together beforehand, took like 40, 30 minutes to do both cams. Um, but it's kind of, that's generally how I do analysis too. I just soak it in for a few different times. And then I really start to notice things like, you know, looking at the the times and the way they behave and mm -hmm. anyway, different patterns, different patterns and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, so don't, no wallows. Don't sit the wallows, man. Yeah. I, not in the middle of the day, which yeah. kind of leads to the point about the evening. Yeah. So if they're not going in the middle of the day, what we've seen is the second point, which yeah. they're there like, like right before it gets dark, it seems. Yeah. And this is, I was talking to D the other day and I was like, this one place, like six out of 10 nights, the last 10 minutes of light, 10 minutes of shootable light, you know, like well after sundown, right? Mm -hmm. um, not well after, but like within that 30 minute legal light, but it's like the 10 minutes before you can't see the pins. Mm -hmm. um, that six out of 10 times, you'll see an elk come out. And we've Crazy. always, you know, it's, is it, the problem is not where you see the elk, it's will it come to a shootable spot? We've had multiple times big bulls walked by 50 yards through the trees over here. Cows come straight in and not offered a shot, turned around. I mean, mm -hmm. so it's this one again, like the wallow thing. I feel like it's something I kind of knew, but now I'm like 100% convinced that they always come in like the last five to 10 minutes if you're going to shoot one in the evening. Yeah. And our uh, friends, we'll call him C, who I hunted with for a few days at the end of last season. He's been hunting this area for, I think, over 20 years now. And uh, he said every bull he shot, in the evening hunt was always right before like when it was like right before dark yeah so that's another yeah interesting yeah point. We, we see it now on the cameras which is which is cool to see yeah so how's uh how's that going to change your hunting josh <laughs> oh yeah well i so <laughs> definitely scared of the dark i'm just gonna hey we all right are now <laughs> only a few people admit it but uh last year i definitely especially early in the season when i was like still new to all this and I definitely called it uh, earlier than I should have. And I think this year, oh man, I'm just going to have to, just going to have to, yeah, just stay yeah. out a little later, a little later and 
I think yeah. eventually we'll probably get used to it and not be as scared, but suck yeah. it up, uh, buy a firearm or borrow a firearm. That's another <laughs> one. If you're, if you're really worried, that gives you confidence. Yeah. Uh, hitting a firearm, something with a firearm is always difficult though. <laughs> and then, I mean, this also goes to the point where we're talking about camping your elk though. Like, cause you can camp, we, you know, we camped 400 yards down from this camera mm-hmm. multiple times. And that's, that's, you know, a distance that you're not, yeah, it's a little spooky solo to walk through the woods, blacked out, went the wolves around in that area, but you know, you can make 400 yards, right? It's not that far. Yeah. Versus hiking a mile and a half or two miles out of there. Mm-hmm. And I will say at the end of the season last year, I kept staying out later and later. And there were like towards, I think that last week, there were like two or three nights where I stayed out when it was pretty dark. Yeah. Um, I had one night where I stayed out when it was really dark by the time I got, was like halfway down the trail, which was pretty scary. And I've realized for me, um, singing in my head actually mm-hmm. helps a lot. I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I just started singing like this song lyric in my head over and over. And that, yeah, I yeah, I don't know why hey, that, that worked for me. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> it's basically like putting headphones in or something, but right. Like, yeah. 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 Maybe keeps yeah. my mind, keeps my mind engaged on something other yeah. than like not being able to see anything. Yeah. Well, the thing I, I would hate too, uh, I mean, this is part of, part of the night thing, but you know, if you take that shot five minutes before, like now you've got an elk to deal with. Right. Oh yeah. That's the hardest part. Cause I don't, maybe I'm a little anal, but I really don't want an elk to sit there overnight. Cause everyone's like, Oh, it's cool. It gets down to 30, but it's, I mean, if, as you know, when you butcher one out like a big one with a big rear quarter, even if you have the thing skinned and hanging, it could still go bone sour, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just don't like leaving the idea of leaving one overnight. Yeah. Plus um, I wouldn't be able to sleep at all. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 No, when Margaret and I shot the other one, you know, that one that walked by camp that one year, mm-hmm. 400 yards down from this area, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At surprise, surprise, right before sunset. Oh, that's right. Uh, we shot it and butchered in the dark, but I'd probably want to be with two people that do a, in the dark butchering in the area we're at. Yeah. Like look up and there's a, a wolf staring at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if like this year, someone's back at camp, just enjoying a nice fire and yeah and then they get the message hey i got it locked down (laughs) oh you know i'd come for you yeah yeah i'd be there in a heartbeat oh i would too i'd take an hour so excited i'd get in there (laughs) i'd be so stoked yeah yeah would be a long night though huh it would be a long night did you get yeah when when you and margaret um cut that one out like what time did you get to bed that night (laughs) like oh man sorry i'm i'm totally distracted here there's two quail and about 20 quail chicks running across the driveway here squirrel um yeah i love seeing that so cool um we i think we got done at like 11 oh it's not that bad okay because we shot it about 30 minutes before light like he was definitely moving he was actually moving away from that area where the cam was uh, the wallow Mm -hmm. there but you know i always give him a little bit and that was i had to shoot through that little tiny six inch gap so i couldn't see exactly where it hit Mm -hmm. it looked really good otherwise it wouldn't have taken the shot um long story short it took us a lot longer to find him i waited a while and it took us much longer to find him than we thought even though he's 70 yards away it just was Mm -hmm. so dry and i hit him so high Mm. that he didn't drop much blood but he went down fast so anyway i think we didn't get going till like eight so we actually did it pretty quick three hours is i don't know there's guys out there that are really fast but for me and i think this is the second elk margaret's ever butchered so that's Mm -hmm. pretty new you know, three hours combined. It's pretty good. Yeah. 
Gotcha. And it wasn't like she does it while I do it. We always, you know, trade off, right? Because it's right. not that safe to be doing it that way if you don't know what you're doing. Right, right. Yeah. So we know in the evenings, wallows are a good spot, not in the midday. So what yep. would you do in the midday? Yeah, that's a good question. I was thinking that with the first one. It's like, hey, so if you're not supposed to hit wallows, I would be, I mean, I'd, I'd be up, right? I'd be up where they're betting. Like we, like we talked about, I think this is reinforcement to the strategy section we covered in the episode, you know, the, the crash course here. And then of course, all the other episodes a year ago, like if you're up high, you're up with the elk in the middle of the day, right? They're not down low coming to those wallows. They're up in their bedding area. Um, so maybe that is a good caveat for folks to know is this wallow is down in a Creek bed in a, in a Valley that's actually fairly high. I mean, it's not like as high as they get, but it's like, it's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that to say, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's the wallow they go to from their bedding. I think they're still bedded five or 600 feet above this at least. Right. Uh, right. And so I would be up there. I'd want to be back up in my tent where I camped way up high, where I can see them where I'm near where they're bedding. You know, not too near because that's the bad time of the day to be right on them, mm-hmm. but you know, a few hundred yards away so I can see them. And you know, if one's meandering over or there is a wallow up there, I might be on that if it's like literally next to them. But yeah. And you mentioned, I think before, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, you mentioned when they bed, it's not like they lie down, they sleep for like five hours straight. No, they, uh, they, they mosey around, right? They get up. They, oh yeah. They meander. They, especially if the rut's going, the bull's ripping around still. Mm-hmm. And he, even if he's laying down, he's not sleeping. I mean, this is why they lose so much weight in the rut, right? He's just sitting there every few minutes. Woo, woo, you know? Right, right. Um, and that's why, like I said, I've killed pretty much every elk in the middle of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really a great time because they're they're there, they're active. You just can sit there, wait for uh, the right timing. So I don't. That's what I do instead of sitting wallows. Gotcha. Sitting, I, I feel like sitting wallows is just like one of those you didn't prepare. You're just hoping kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know where the elk are. You don't know what's going on. You're just kind of sitting there like, please, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that a ton. <laughs> I wasted a lot of my life doing that. <laughs> no longer. Unless it's sunset, I guess, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Well, I, I mean, I think that's uh, like this wall is definitely somewhere they come in and hit, but I think they just that's just more like they come down at that point you know ah, you find a, i see like a trail or uh actually we were talking about this before remember i was like i don't i don't think i'd even sit that wallow anymore i'd go that was another cool thing that showed us they almost all of them came from a certain direction oh um, yeah I would, I would go sit up up there because there is i know there's a choke point up there where all the trails come together so i'd be sitting that choke point a few hundred yards up from the wallow yeah it's like the uh Real popular highway exit. Yep. <laughs> or, yeah. Exactly. Interesting. So yeah, it's cool stuff to learn. And I mean, it's, like we talked about, these don't apply to every wallow and area because they're different relations to where the elk are. But I think for most standard places, you'd find good elk sign down low. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good representation. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. What's four? I think four was about the weather, right? That the uh, the weather matters. Yeah. And that was, this one's more like the three or four years coming together in my head, right? Because the first year we hunted there, uh, I walked up to the little mini valley. There's a little 300 foot. Oh man, more quail. (laughs) (laughs) They're everywhere. It's such, such a great year for quail. Um, there's like a three or 400 foot little ridge between this other valley and, and where we were at. My sister went to the bathroom. I stopped at this other wallow, listened and boom, one's ripping. And it was like down low middle of the day. And then that year put my first cam up and they were 
everywhere on that cam that was only four or 500 yards from the like area I was parking. So they were down low, low, low. Um, and all that to say is it was a very cold year. There was snow on the ground from like the 10th of September all the way through season. Like it was just freezing. Uh, and they were way down low everywhere. Um, and it was really interesting because we were looking at the cams. The second you got a hard freeze on that wallow, I think it was like October 14th or 15th. There was never another elk pick. They were gone. Wow. Um, so, you know, the ones we were just looking at. So I think it's, I, for me, you know, that for hunting eat tree line or eight, nine, 10,000 feet in Idaho, what would be 10, 11, 12,000 feet in Colorado that area the second there's a good amount of snow it's so high they got to move down and so i think if it's a hot season like last year because we had two cams i was looking at right one low one high and on the low one i don't think we even like we saw one bull the entire season right on the remember. low one oh um, yeah or no it was like one bull at night and then one tiny bull in the middle of the day yeah and it was like the last day of the season right yeah um so i think that if it's a hot year and there's not I mean, like last year we talked about that big heat spell, but they're going to be higher. They're just going to stay higher. So I think it's a good thing to know going into different areas of like, it's going to change how you hunt each year. If it's cold, they might be a thousand or 2000 feet lower. Interesting. So they go higher when it's hot mm -hmm. and lower when it's cold. Is that just for them to keep their body temperature cooler or, or warmer or? I think they're probably chasing the grass and mm. the body temp thing. Cause okay. I mean, another thing is remember in here in May, the, the top can didn't have a single elk this year. Mm -hmm. And then the lower cam had a few, but they all showed up in May hmm. and they're only those cams are what, I mean, you kind of know where they are that they're only like three or 400 vertical feet different. They're not that different. They're like a mile back, but I think they're just following that snow line with the good grass. And, oh, you know, and so if it's, snowed early they're moving down so where they can get to it and if it's not snowing they're just staying way up there oh i see i see interesting yeah. huh yeah it's yeah. interesting to piece together the puzzle of like what they need what they want what they're looking for like during what time of the year like what's going yeah. on with them hmm. yeah but i've never yeah. seen like to keep talking through that like there's been a lot of other years you saw it last year there's snowstorms in the middle of season mm -hmm. and you see those come through but they don't really, you know, two, three days later, the snow kind of semi melts. There's patches. Like it doesn't really move the elk around, you know, cold snap might get them talking a little bit more, but it's like when you get that just cold for weeks on end is when they really change behavior. So it's just good to know mentally. Whenever I got that old snowstorm, I used to think, oh yeah, this is going to change what they're doing. They're going to move down. They're going to da 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 da. But no, now I know it's just, just when it's cold enough, the ground freezes for multiple days at a time yeah that's interesting i wonder if like during the rut they're just thinking about other things so it needs to be like a lot of cold for a long time mm -hmm. to start affecting them yeah um, no i remember the first year we were walking up and it was so foreign to us to be able to shoot elk four or five hundred yards from the car and we were walking by this one little pinch point we had the cam that was way low uh, you know where the the willows are on the right side um mm -hmm. And we're like, should we just stay here? And I was like, oh, it just feels weird. Like, nah, let's go up higher. We went up higher to where I nicked that bull. Uh, you know, the one time I kind of shot low mm -hmm. and uh, we came back down and there were giant bull prints right in the snow, right through there. <laughs> like, oh no. So huh. I think it just proves adaptability. Like you've got to just realize what the elk are saying and what they're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Because all we got on the cam this year were just dudes. <laughs> 
so many yeah guys. yeah a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people i was blown away by how many more people were hunting that than i thought um just goes to prove that people are everywhere but and then actually one note we might as well say yeah we should when we're talking out. about the yeah. people is uh real unsportsmanship like qualities some people yeah um, want to want to tell them what happened next year yeah, well, this one guy came along and clearly he found the cam. We got three photos of him looking away and then clearly he turned around and found the cam and he uh, they just undid it and dropped it so it was face down. So I got like 500 pictures of it being face down. Uh, yeah. I remember remember D at some point was like, oh, hey, like, did you loosen the cam or did it come unbuckled? And it was only four or five days, uh, mm-hmm. but it was a real bummer because we lost that footage. But anyway, I mean, you come across trail cams in the woods, um, everyone has different ethics on use of trail cams and how and why. And maybe this is a good moment for me to go into my ethics of why I do use them, even though I'm pretty conservative on ethics and everything else, right? Like you'd say I'm pretty, would that be fair? I'm a very conservative on ethics. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's not like whitetail hunting where you're, you literally know exactly when that oak's going to be there and what he's doing. And like the game camera did the majority of the work like for hunting. I think the most important thing to me is that there's always a really good match of, um, their ability to elude you and outsmart you. And then your ability as a hunter. And I think when the pendulum swings too far one way, it's no longer really ethical. Like I think elk hunting should be something that you probably will fail at most of the time. Uh, if it's truly worth pursuing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you with a camera, I don't view a cam during the season as that because even if I'm checking it every few days when I go through there, it's not telling me, like, I don't look at that cam. Like, oh, cool. I'll sit right here and I'll smoke that bowl tomorrow night, right. um, which will lead us to our fourth or fifth point, but stay tuned for that. So, so I'm not that worried about cams because all they really do is do this. They help me learn um, and they help me like kind of teach me about the elk, uh, which is a cool thing. They're not helping me. Well, I guess you could say they help me kill stuff, but not much, right? In the same way that your uh, your fiber optic bow sight certainly helps you kill more elk than a non-fiber optic one, but it's not like making the difference like a spotlight or something. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. Um, not like a, always, it's not like a giant advantage. Maybe. Yes, yeah. yeah. And it's it, I think it's an advantage to, most importantly to me, it's an advantage that did still take a ton of work. Um, driving up there this time of year, you know, f- multiple hours one way, hiking in multiple hours one way, changing out batteries and cards, doing that sort of stuff, you know, potentially losing a few hundred dollars a gear over the winter. Like <laughs> those are real sacrifices. This isn't like just turn the TV on. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, again, it's the effort thing. Um, yeah. So you're willing to put in the effort you learn. That's interesting. What, what are the, the people who are against trail cams? What are their, what's their side of the debate? Uh, what do they I really say? respect a lot of it. It's just, Hey, this is not, you know, this is an unfair advantage. It's not something we could have done in the past and mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, Z, um, which I don't totally buy. But again, I just don't really think it's an unfair advantage. For right. Me. Right. Um, yeah. It's interesting when it comes yeah. to all these different technologies, like bows have advanced a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like what can you, or can you not do where they draw yeah. the line? Uh, either way, like when the County or like that area, when they make mm-hmm. the law, whether or not law is correct, that's the rules of the game. Yep. Right. So then you kind of, you, yep. you can either play by the rules or you can have a disadvantage, I guess. Yeah. It'd be no, like in I, basketball. Yeah. If they say like, oh, you, 
uh i don't know like you can't wear shoes anywhere or whatever or i don't know maybe they yeah. said there's this new shoe that comes out you could jump like five feet in there or whatever and they're like all right in these states you can wear them are you not going to wear them <laughs> and just play like yep. that's a terrible analogy but you know yeah, what i mean it's <laughs> like the running shoes where nike came out those new ones or that are so much faster or the aqua blades in olympic swimming 10 years oh, ago where right. every record was broken every single day and mm-hmm. i think at the end of the day they've learned this in formula one and the sports that are far ahead of us and so much more technologically advanced you have to draw a line somewhere mm-hmm. you have to because there will be a point where we can shoot freaking laser beams out of our <laughs> bows at elk and you know like 300 yards right. and, like i i honestly loader stuff is strip wrong these days there's guys that are shooting muzzle loaders at six seven hundred yards that is not the spirit or the intent of a muzzle loader season full mm-hmm. stop like i would i would go to bat for that one um i think that idaho does it right where they require muzzle loaders to be muzzle loading they can only have open sites you know so basically they're limiting you to max about 100 yards of effectiveness right mm-hmm. that's the point because the guys that are designing those seasons design them to match the effort and the difficulty to that season in which they made right right um so anyway rant over on that one <laughs> but i think there always has to be a line at which you draw and idaho and multiple most elk states have drawn a line that say it's fine to to you know leave cameras up um there are different times of the year so right right uh, anyway we're i think we got the ethics thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a real always- bummer to see that guy mess with it. I mean, it's not if it's legal and it's not your property and you find it in the woods, whether it's an RV, it's someone's truck, it's someone's gear, it's their tent they left behind to go for a day hunt, their uh, game cam, it's really messed up to uh to touch or change someone else's stuff. So, yeah, I was a little bummed by that, but yeah, so all the uh, new hunters out there, pay attention, don't do that. Don't yeah. be that guy. Um, just cause you don't have a camera out there. You're going to disadvantage someone else who does. It's kind of yeah. annoying. My, uh, uh, one of my only vindictive moments in the woods. I remember two years ago, I walked by this guy who's been known for gut shooting elk in our area and then pulling just the rack and leaving. He's done that multiple times now, three years in a row. You know, he always says, Oh, it was just a bad shot. No, you know, but three years in a row, it kind of starts to talk for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was walking by what I knew was his tent and I came up and there were double a batteries strewed all over the ground like 10 or 20 feet from the tent like he clearly just thrown them over a bush what and i picked them all up and i made a nice little divot in the top of his tent and i put them all right there (laughs) so they started like rusting together on the top of his tent because i was like that's that's the only time i've touched someone's stuff in the woods like (laughs) deserve every second of this that's don't throw away raw batteries in the woods yeah that this is like an interesting thing of like taking care of your environment like i was driving on the highway the other day uh no just like two days ago and the guy in front of me throws out a giant big cup of soda the straw the whole cup and i remember as a kid i actually littered a decent amount i don't know why i was rebellious stupid kid (laughs) but now when i see that i'm like wow like the ignorance that like you're yeah. literally just throwing trash in your home. Like you're yeah. paying for that. It's not like you, this is, isn't your land or whatever. Yeah. But it's uh, tough. It's tough. And like, we all like to be humble. Like we've all, like you said, we've all done stupid stuff. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's just, you know, being the positive effect in the woods, being the guy that when someone does step out of line, just saying it, not in a mean way or confrontational way, just saying, Hey, but like, that's, let's not litter. That's not okay. Or like batteries, <laughs> battery acid in a, <laughs> backcountry environment not okay right yeah um i do regret kind of being that aggressive but 
sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just being positive. So, anyway, we kind of did a little rabbit hole there, and we'll <laughs> let's hit the other three things so that people can learn from the the podcast. But yeah, really f- kind of crazy to see that happen on Cam. But here's the thing: is we know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> if we see him next year, he's gonna get a talking to. Yeah, we're gonna have some words. I mean, nah, I won't be that mean. We'll just, you know, like, yeah, just let him know we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have and a conversation okay. about it yeah it's just not uh, okay yeah hey man um, you touched my stuff um yeah so weather matters oh this one was really interesting the big ones all laid down yeah that was just an interesting point the little guys didn't at all which nope what do you what, what's your hypothesis what, what do you why do you think that is i don't know i mean i think maybe they're the dominant bulls they're the ones that are really in the rut you know they want to rub like the main reason like we were just talking about they roll in wallows that time of year is they're trying to get the smell. They pee in it and then they roll in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not talking like them rolling. We're talking literally they just sit belly down. Mm-hmm. And what was so cool on the cam is you'd see that giant imprint. Like it was like three or four feet long with like the fur. Yeah. In it. Like a like if you dropped a toboggan in a bunch of mud, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that so many times walking up to those wallows, but uh, what's really interesting now with these cams is that I now know that, I mean, I don't know if it's hundred percent, but it's hundred percent on these cams for multiple years. So that's pretty solid, but it's the, only the big ones do that apparently. Um, yeah. And then we saw them with their, uh, with the, with the antlers, just totally raking through all the mud yeah, and crashing it. it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, actually, do you want to describe to people, um, about how elk or like bulls use wallows for different seasons, uh, for different reasons, like yeah out yeah. of season versus in season like I mean, some of this is hearsay and i've seen some of it but you know mm-hmm. generally they're from what you the typical wisdom is that they use it for cooling down and drinking in the summer right they're not really rutting they're just kind of like going there then they start to use them as signposts or places to go check out who's in the area pre-rut you know they're mm-hmm. peeing in them they're rubbing their sign off they got some of the musk uh glands on uh, their legs that they kind of rub on stuff around them uh, a few times I've seen them clearly not looking at the cam, but just kind of rubbing on the tree to leave some scent behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mid season, typically like we're talking about, they'll urinate in it and they'll roll in it, which is kind of like a dominance thing. It's like, this is mine, you know, this is my area. I peed all over it. And then I got that stank all over me. So the cows can smell it. And I mean, they're just full on super attractive, super r- ripping at that point <laughs> They're They are mid rut. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of just stop using them in the winter or the, you know, October, November. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, they do change over time as to exactly why they're using them. But when you see that, when you see the shreds from the antlers and you see kind of the imprints of them laying down, I think it's a pretty clear sign that like a big bull's in there and he means business. Yeah. Uh, and to see that imprint in there last even a few days, I mean, it's such a big bull that yeah. it just squashes down all this mud, yeah. flattens it all out. Interesting. Oh, I totally remember coming up to that last year because this is the other thing about cams is unless you sit down on a giant computer screen like we are now, you don't notice half the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember last year, multiple times walking by that and then seeing there's two or three bulls that did it this year at least, mm-hmm. and seeing those would be like, "Whoa, that's pretty fresh." I can see the freaking fur and the mud fur imprints in that thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's really good now to know, okay, that that was a toad of a bull. Um, yeah so next year if you see that flat spot you're gonna be excited <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. Um, and i guess well this is one that we didn't plan out but um it was totally worth talking about but we also noticed that there really weren't any elk that stayed consistently for more than two or three days um 
Yeah. I guess that's our seven, seven points now. Who knows? Uh, but remember that? I mean, you were, mm-hmm. I think there was only one exception. And that was that monster that was clearly kind the of in that guy. area. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, everyone else, they were in and out. Like, keep me honest, but I feel like that was what we noticed. There really wasn't anybody that stuck around for more than a few days. Yeah. From what we saw on the cameras, all the pictures from last September, all the way till June, we didn't see the same bull for more. Yeah. Yeah. More than like two or three days. And it's, they're very distinct. You know, we, we yep. were, we were really memorizing yeah. like, okay, this tine is like that, or that tine's tiny over there, like distinctive yeah. features. And you couldn't, you couldn't tell, uh, yeah. you can see them again. So yeah, it's so they're funny just moving, how these, huh? yeah, it's funny how you name elk too. Like I used to name them by the sound of their bugle, but now mm-hmm. with this cam too, it's like, okay, that's, the, if I say it right now, let's just try this out. If I say the Y bull, do you know which one I'm oh, talking about? Oh, I know about? exactly which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. The right. one that has like the, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. And if I say big beam or no three. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah one. The no three. Yep. No yep. three. Easy to tell. Yep. Yeah. So it's funny how you crab like, hand. Crab, crab hand. hand. Yeah. Right. And he was only on the only on the left side. He had the crab. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's, uh, you know exactly what they are from their little attributes. Um, mm-hmm. But that one lines up with all the other seasons too. I never see more than a few days of, you know, I, I think there's one or two seasons like that big bull. There'll be a really big one that comes back around. And he's dominant, but it it goes back to what we're talking about with elk hunting, where it's like they're either there, or they're not, and they don't right. stick around; they move. Right. Um, yeah. Except so that just, old guy, that really oh, old bull. Was, the the biggest bull we saw on the camera was this really old kind of like yeah. actually described him as a downer. Like he's probably past his prime, and he looked a little scraggly a little bit, but just big. But he stuck around. So I wonder if he's just being lazy, like he's old. Or I think, I think the biggest ones, the biggest one in the entire area, the most dominant one, mm-hmm. if he's not bumped by humans, can stick around. Because hmm. I think I've seen that guy. Uh, there was two years ago, uh, Margaret and I were taking a stand about 100 yards up from that one night when we kind of got caught short. And he came down the hill. A big, big one came down the hill. Uh, we stood up too early and he was 50 yards from us and spooked and ran. We didn't see him, but we, you know, I saw him when he spooked. Um, but I think the really, really big ones, uh, this is my thing. Cause remember there's that Valley I've hunted a bunch. Uh, I'm now conscious of the fact that people that know me and know this area are listening to this podcast. So <laughs> how much do you want to give away? But there's one Valley I hunt every year and every single year, four out of four years, I know I'll go up there and I'll see the same stinking six point. Um, and he'll be right there. Interesting. So I think the big ones, the most dominant bulls will stay in a small little area if they're not bumped by humans and they know they can just chill and they're so smart. They know not to rip bugles. Like unless they're truly fired up, they're really going to be quiet. They're really going to be silent. Wow. And I, Cause I've heard them bugling and it's the, like, I call it the 200 yard bugle. It's so soft that you can't hear it more than 200 yards, hmm. even in the tree, you know, outside the trees, it's just so soft. Wow. Because uh, I think they're so dominant, they don't really have to worry about over-aggressive posture or because any elk within 200 yards is like, oh, that's the big daddy. I'm out of here. Interesting. Versus the medium-sized bulls are ripping. This is my theory. I don't know. This is my working <laughs> theory. But the medium-sized bulls are just going nuts because they're trying to show everyone else they're the boss versus the big one. Just so confident that he is that any bull that shows up goes, oh, crap, that's that's toad daddy. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, since we're sharing theories, I think if I were to guess about the uh, wallowing and why only the big ones were wallowing, Ooh, okay. if I were to guess, it's that these guys, they they learned, they learned the tricks 
<laughs> for what mm. works in the rut and not. And the younger guys haven't really learned yet. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> They're just getting that the scent, the perfect perfume. <laughs> the, the perfect perfume. Du de urine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to get a uh, biologist on here and just completely fact check us and just yeah tell us the real stuff but yeah this is the fun part out cutting for me it's like you're just kind of learning i'm gonna be doing this for the next 50 years hopefully Um, yeah but yeah that's a good one um that you just again and like to practical applications to strategy like you just can't it's good for me to know that too it's like you just can't hunt an area for more than two or three days that's Mm -hmm. why all my backpacking trips i try to keep short these days it's like they're either there they're not get out of there or hunt them hard and like hunt them fast too Cause I think that was the whitetail guys we knew, um, they would hunt that same bull. They try to hunt him for a week. They were literally on that same bull in that same 200 yard area for like a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember they said they were like two or three really hot days, but then the rest of them, they couldn't find him. And it's like, well, he probably was gone. You know, like you, if you find a bull, don't worry about blowing him out. Cause like you've only got a day or two anyway, <laughs> you know, right. Like you got to move fast or get gone. Um, so that's a really good, good learning and reinforcement for me. Just like be bold. Elk hunting is not white tail hunting. Like go after them. And if you blow it, like you only had that little window to do it anyway. So you had to. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a good lesson. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I think that's, I mean, we did the big ones laid down. What's, oh, this one I'm going to let you do, Josh. What's <laughs> oh, the man. last one? This is a good one. This is so good. You accidentally wrote it in our, we have a chat, like the main points you want to cover. You wrote it in here twice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually, I did. Oh, I must, oh, that's what I did. I wrote it over the other one. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah. uh, you wrote, it's not over till it's over. And the reason yeah. Baxter is rubbing this one in is because, <laughs> oh man, on the last day, oh, last day, September 30th freaking bull shows up right on the camera no 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 josh two, two bulls show two up bulls. one at four and one at 7 30 that was the only oh. one before 5 30 was that one at four yeah two uh, bulls on the last day i yeah. was just in the wrong spot wrong <laughs> spot so if i told josh better directions of where to get the cam josh <laughs> might have stayed there that evening and shot one oh, of the two bulls man. so really entertaining but like jokes aside i, I do like i have noticed that um i've only left one other cam out that long um and come back for it after season but they do like just magically show up the last few days i don't know what it is i think it just starts getting so cold and so whatever that they and there's so few people around yeah less pressure a lot less pressure yeah i think everyone pounds them in the middle of the season that Mm -hmm. that like it's really tempting after a full month of elk hunting where you're just freaking you're like a bull you're just like skinny from losing weight from all the effort you've expended it's pretty pretty uh tempting to be like ah screw this i'm out yeah but i actually it's true like yeah i stayed all season last year yeah the amount of people that were there there was Mm -hmm. two of us left Mm -hmm. in in that whole valley there was just me and our buddy holly weird (laughs) (laughs) and uh that's it everyone was gone so the bell curve of the season like pressure wise oh man it's gone they're gone. Gone, yeah. gone. But I mean, it's a brutal time of year to hunt, especially where we are. Cause over time I've learned it's much colder than most places. Oh, yeah, guys yeah, yeah. Cut, but it's <laughs> freaking freezing. It's harsh. It's oh, yeah. brutal. Lights, low light. I mean, the elk have been pounded. You are haggard, but like there are big rewards, I think, for those last few days. Yeah, those mornings um, hikes in were very cold. My hands were very, very cold. cold. I, um, I am a hundred percent sure I've had multiple 10 or 15 degree nights there time of year yeah oh 
Another point actually that kind of relates to this one, like, so these two bulls showed up end of season, we might be because of the coal, might be because there's less mm-hmm. pressure, maybe both, but we did know, we also noticed as soon as the season ended and also oh, yeah. right before the season, they're yeah. everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Um, what was that? Like October 1st through October yeah. 1st. Yeah. Like right they after just pounding the cams and they were mm-hmm. doing weird things. They were showing up early. They were you know, more bulls in the morning, which you normally weren't seeing. Like they were just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they definitely sense, I mean, it all goes back to get where the people aren't right. They sense the pressure. They know it. Yeah. Like everyone thinks oh, I sneak in real quietly and I go in, in the dark. It's like, no, they all, they know you're there. Yeah. And everyone's there too. <laughs> everyone's there. Yeah. yeah. So no, I think showing, showing up opening day and being there the last day, I mean, not everyone can do that, but those are, that's that's the golden nugget for people that have stuck through the uh, the hour long podcast. We're we're still we now have a habit of dropping those, right? What's the really good piece of info? <laughs> you stick around till the end. Yeah. yeah. And if you stick around, you get ten percent off. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a special code for you all. But wait, not sponsored by choice. We should mention that. Potentially <laughs> turn all this stuff down and said no because we don't. We don't want conflicts of interest. We want to be able to say, well, this thing's great. That thing sucks. Yeah. And all of them reached out to us and we were like, yeah, yeah. No. Everybody wants us. Everybody, everybody. This is a super popular podcast. I think 200,000 people listen to it. But yeah. So some big points we covered an elk. What, what we've seen so far, they don't hit the wall during the middle of the day. They tend to show up a lot in the evening, like right before sundown. Mm-hmm. Weather really impacts their behavior, especially up and down. Yeah, it's hotter. They're higher, but only cold long colds, cold spells. Yes, like like multi, like four or five day frozen ground cold mm-hmm. spells or longer. Not just say like two or three day storms. Right. We've noticed yep. the big ones are the ones that lay down. We don't mm-hmm. know why, but that's what we saw. Yeah. Um, you see that fur print, fur toboggan in the uh, wallow, you're in a good area. Get excited. Not over till it's over. And then human pressure, they're definitely responding to it. So yeah. knowing all of this now, Baxter, how will that change, if at all, your hunting this season? Oh, it's, it won't change it a ton, but it'll mm-hmm. like really reaffirm a lot of the things I was thinking. Like I won't, will not be sitting wallows, full stop. I'm done with that. Like that's At just all? a waste, waste of Even life. in the evening? Oh, in the evening. Yeah. I mean, during the middle of the day. Oh, gotcha. Like, you know, I'm just in the more, in the midday, I'm going to be up with the elk. Like mm-hmm. well, I was mostly doing that, but there were some days you're just tired and you're like, I'm just going to hang out with this wallow all day. It's like mm-hmm. now I'm, now I'm like, that's 99% odds in Vegas. That's bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or would they be 1% odds? I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, I go to Vegas all the time. Yeah, put it uh, all on black. 18. All on black. Yeah, <laughs> right. everything you own. <laughs> and then start FedEx. That's how you make money. Um, you know, he actually did that, right? Wait, what? Yeah, FedEx guy was going to, company was going to go bankrupt. He went to Vegas, put it all on black, won it, came back, started FedEx. No anyway. way. Yep. True Are you story. sure he didn't go sell a bunch of drugs and then tell that yeah, story? Yeah, right. Said? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, no, so I think that the middle day thing, I'm not going to, I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Like, I'm not going to try to hunt or pattern an elk. I already didn't really do that, but I think if a big one's in an area, the second I don't really hear him anymore, he's gone. I'm going to move. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait a day and just hope he shows back up because he's not gonna, mm-hmm. unless it's the toad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then weather, that's just good to know, like where to hunt now. Like that's a really, I think that's probably one of the most valuable ones, even though it doesn't sound that great. Um, I'll be hunting till last light every stinking night. Mm-hmm. 
and I will be coming back closing day for sure. Even oh. if I'm haggard and the missus is going to kick my butt, uh, it's worth it. Oh yeah. Closing day. Oh man. Everybody's gone. And it, it, last year it was a weekday too. So another reason why everybody was yeah. gone. Yeah. Um, at least I think it was a weekday, but, uh, remember. felt like, felt like one for sure. Anyway. Yeah. For me, I'm definitely, yeah, definitely. I think the big one for me is staying out late. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like the, I feel like some of the things you mentioned are a little advanced stuff. I mean, maybe not, maybe, maybe I'm, I've got like those lessons learned, but yeah, if, like the big one to remember for me is staying out late. Um, yeah. don't, don't go home. Like, yeah, they're around, <laughs> they're moving. Um, yeah. Let's be, see. Be quiet, man. I don't, like I said that other year, we've done that multiple times where it's pitch stinking black. Mm. There's, uh, you never know, right? There's never a hard line where you're like, I can't hunt anymore. It's always this blurry, like three to five minute window. Right. But again, if you're stinking cold because it's 20 Mm. degrees and you're sitting still, like sitting still gets you frozen. Mm. You're like, screw it. I just want to get up. We've done that so many times. I think it's been three or four times I can remember. We stand up and a bull jumps up and runs away. (sighs) 50 to hundred yards out. So it's like, even if you stay late, like just get up quiet, like move mm-hmm. out quiet. Don't turn on your headlamp till you're like 15 minutes after dark. And you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's, it's a good time. Man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, odds are then we're going to be butchering an oak super late at night. Super late. <laughs> well, that's actually I hope like, so. I hope so. And now carry what I have been for a few years. I carry three or four glow sticks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't, that's a great uh, tip. Yeah. I just have this like mental, I've been backpacking up there so many times and you hear wolves. I guess people know where we hunt now, but, uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere not in Colorado, at least for the next year. Womp, womp They're You know, they're introducing wolves, right? Oh, wait, where Colorado, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but, uh, yeah, I've been around so many wolves ripping around up there that I just don't like the idea of, um, butchering something alone so i'd bring these four glow sticks and that way i can crack them and put them like 20 yards from the carcass so like all compass points mm-hmm. and at least in my head i've now got this 30 40 yard zone of safety where i can see something coming oh it's not just the beam on my face you know like if i yeah i can notice that motion ripping around behind me right, right. And guys i mean i have guys and friends obviously all my friends from california laugh but they like they don't know man i've seen very aggressive wolves i've heard very aggressive stories i do not want to be the first guy that gets killed in the lower 48 so yeah and like you said you're generally conservative like it's better to do it and even if it doesn't help at all but it makes you feel better and therefore you're going to be smoother when you're cutting and you're having a better experience twitchy yeah you could do things quicker and obviously you do get to see better but but yeah i do that too now i i off your tip, I carry those glow sticks in yeah. my kill kit. They're um, super light. They last for like five or 10 years and they're like half an ounce each or something stupid. Yeah. Like that. yeah. I always thought you did it. So, um, uh, it's like having fire around you. Like it scares things off. I didn't know. Yeah. I don't know whether or not it does, but that's interesting. Yeah. No, it's also well, it's certainly a, a thing for that, but uh, yeah, it'd be more like an early warning system. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I do carry a gun and it would be yeah. but the problem with the gun is you got to get it out and use it. So. I wonder, what do you think about this? Last year, I was thinking, um, if I shoot one at night, I'm going to put these glow sticks up. And then I think I'm just going to play music on my phone. Is that <laughs> un, is that unethical? I don't, I don't think there's any eth- wrong, anything ethically wrong with that. Because um, I was like, like am I just like, hunt? I was like, am I busting like this whole place? Like, you know, being too loud or whatever. Uh, but, yeah. Well, you've already, although I've been again, 
I mean, we, this podcast keeps going on, but I've been amazed at how little the elk care about a dead elk carcass in the area. I mean, I shot that one opening day <laughs> in two different places. And in both places, we hunted the same stinking area within literally close enough that you smell it and you're like, Ugh, mm-hmm. gross. Um, two weeks later and there's elk walking right by there. So, <laughs> uh, so they don't weird. care that much. So yeah, I don't know. You probably spook a few away that night, but they're going to be right back in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cause that, that I think would help me. Yeah. I guess yeah. I'm learning something about myself. Music keeps me less scared. Yeah. Serious. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if I ever find you, uh, eating a lot or half eaten with your earphones in, I'll be like, at least he died <laughs> thinking he was safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, AirPods uh, just still in. Yeah. Uh, Song yeah. still going. So good times. All right. Well, I think we're officially off the deep end here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully that helps folks. I mean, that's a lot of cool learning in one episode. That's a year of effort in one episode. Yeah. So, Four and years so does that mean you're welcome for not getting your cameras back? Yes. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> I know you intentionally didn't find it so that I would get this really cool learning experience. I appreciate you. There we go. You know, I always did, but <laughs> I also would have loved it for you to kill an elk if you'd walked up there and got it. That last oh, day. that's so true. Oh, oh that hurts so much. I can't yeah. wait. This is going to be a good season. Good times. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're having a lot of fun, if you can't tell. So uh, we're getting real close to elk season. Feel free to drop us a line, baxterbowman.com. Uh, we have the elk course up there still. There's a lot of podcasts. Like we said, we're not sponsored. We don't have a lot of stuff. So you know, if you can help us out by rating this or leaving a comment, um, referring a friend of all things, um, it's really great. We appreciate it. It's uh, We're actually kind of blown away at how much it's catching on and really cool to see. So Thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. Pretty jazzed for this year. Hope you are too. And we'll talk to you soon.